0: A solemn charge, a solemn charge to warn, warn, warnings, uh, warnings are important. They're part of all of our lives. Uh, You did not get here without seeing some sort of warning sign. Um, Maybe if you drove, you saw a sign like this. What does this mean? Is this a volleyball sign? No, this uh, this is a sign that means what's coming up ahead if you don't slow down there's, there's, it's going to hurt you if you don't. Now, there's another sign there, too, that says what? No stopping or standing. Which one of these is most important to listen to in, in our streets? Well, both, but that other one can cost you financially. Like, this is the only thing that is really, this is really enforced, right, Our parking things. Uh, you can drive through a big old deli and, and then leave it, and you're, you're okay. But, but you got to make sure where you park. How about this one? This is a very important sign. If you, if you ignore a detour sign, a road out sign, you may end up in deep water, literally, right? Uh, this, is, this is something you have to be very careful about. Perhaps you remember this story from Texas a couple years ago. A school bus driver during a deluge, um, this is in the Houston area, with one 12-year-old student young man ignored a road closure sign due to the flooding, and plunged ahead only to be washed away, needing rescue. They were rescued, Um, but he was fired and arrested uh, because he ignored uh, the warning sign, street closed, find a safe way, find another place to go. If I could help us see the Bible has these warning signs, And just like we might feel a little bit of angst toward this bus driver and righteous indignation, especially if you have a 12-year-old son, uh, you, you would also, we should also feel this way for those who hear these warning signs of Scripture. And instead of listening... Taking heed and making sure those who are following us, those who are on the seat beside us, those who are in our household, those who live in our community, we just plunge ahead and say, forget it. All right. Shame on us. We bear some of the moral culpability if we do not also sound the alarm. Danger, danger Road out ahead. And so we hear these solemn charges, and we don't sweep them aside. We don't say, well, it'll be okay. It'll all pan out in the end. We say, Lord, you know best. Help me to listen to this challenge. Let me listen to this charge, and help me encourage others to obey. Let's look at the solemn charge briefly. I'm going to review verse 1. The solemn charge, uh, the nature of the charge is that it's solemn. It is solemn. It's uh, solemn its timing, and you remember the timing we saw last week, that it was solemn because it was given by Paul to Timothy during what time? And he was dying. He was on his deathbed. He's about to die. He has a young man who he's given the charge of starting churches and organizing churches. And so here is the last apostle, as far as the last one commissioned, giving instruction to churches, New Testament churches, and here is how you're to organize yourselves, and he's going to share this with us, with leadership of the church, with the church listening in. And so it's solemn in that way, but he goes beyond that because the witnesses are in the presence of God the Father and of Christ Jesus, God the Son, through, of course, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Christ is the one who will judge, and so we have to listen to this and take the solemn nature of this charge to heart. It's solemn in its future because there will be a time when Jesus comes back and holds us accountable at grace for how we have upheld this charge in our community, with our families, with our neighbors. It's a glorious prospect because sometimes the charge is difficult. But it's one we take seriously seriously because it's in the presence of Jesus who will judge. The primary action of the charge, and this one actually we only got through the first two of four points here. And so you see in your notes there, uh, there's there's two aspects to this charge. We uh, We looked at its action. The action is to preach. What are we to do? We're to preach. And then the object of that action is the word. We saw that preach was, was the idea of sharing a message. It was a herald. I know we're flying here, but just getting review in. It's a herald that's coming with a message from an authority, and they don't change it. They don't adapt it. They don't have a Q&A session. It's, this is the nature of it. This is what the Lord says. Take it. They don't say take it or leave it. They say take it and do it. And then it's up to the people to respond. And this is the nature of preaching. This is the nature of what Jesus did, of what the church is supposed to do, and what pastors are supposed to do. And that's why we have this session and why it's so important. But I would say, and as we looked at last week, this is not just for the pastors. We are all to be sharing the word with one another in this fashion. This is what Jesus says. I was reading this in my devotions this week. Can I share you something from God's word? And we leave that there. The action is to preach. The object, of course, is the word of God the Bible to share what God has given us. And we spent some time with that, and we aren't going to be able to get into it, but it is the word that changes us. It is the word that sanctifies us. It is the word that gives spiritual life. It is the word that's, that adequate, adequately equips us for all good works. And so when we think of what I should share that will make lasting impact to my culture, lasting impact on my family, lasting impact on myself. Uh, lasting impacts on our church. It's got to be the word of God. I love Spurgeon's phrase, let the lion out. I don't have to spend all my time saying the word is so helpful because it's it's this, it's that, it's the other thing. I just share the word, right? You don't have to say, you got to be careful about this lion because look at its teeth and, and, and listen to its roar and no, you just let it out of its cage and it does the work. And so this is what we simply do each Sunday. We let the lion out. Uh, We let God's word speak for itself. So let's do that. Let's move to the number three here. Uh, Not just the action, the object. This is now number three, the manner or timing of the action. Preach the word, verse two, and then what does he say? Before I anybody remember. All right, it says, be ready. Preach the word. Okay, so I solemnly charge you, preach the word. And then there's this manner or timing. The, the manner in which we're to preach, we're to be, be ready. I'm to be prepared. This is the attitude or how I'm to supposed to go around sharing. I'm always to be ready. my It's like a runner. Their shoes are tied. They're ready. Like It's not that they're going around with their shoes in their hand. They're ready to run. They're on their mark. The manner in which we preach the words that we're always ready. We're standing alert. We're going about in a prepared manner. God can give me at any time an opportunity for the word. When I come to church, I'm ready. I've been in the word all week. I've asked the spirit to fill me as I come into this room. and, And I'm going to be a blessing to one another. Not by blasting them, but graciously, lovingly sharing the word with one another. And this is how the word builds up one another in love. Be ready when at what time are we to be ready? Well, yeah, in season and out of season. In season and out of season. When in good times and when in bad times. This is literally the word it's just just repeating the word time and and on the prefix First is good time prefix second time used is used is not a good time all right so it's good time and bad time uh, actually the the nlt gets more literal in this case to the original language is be prepared whether the time is favorable or not be prepared whether the time is favorable or not um, we, we need to be ready with an attitude of alertness at all times. We can't be lulled to sleep. I need to be ready. God may give me an opportunity at the park tomorrow. God may give me an opportunity tonight. He may give you an opportunity at work. Boom! Wow, but I wasn't ready. Be alert. Be ready. We read this in the surrounding verses. I think what he's really talking talking about is in season, out of season... Good time, bad time, meaning kind of time period. There are certain times in your culture when, when this is very easy. There are certain times when it's convenient to be a person of the word. There are some times when it's very inconvenient to be a person of the word. Even today, you can go to some places and cultures where it's a little more convenient to be a speaker of the word and when it's not. And so I think that's specifically what he's talking about. Um, There are times that are more convenient than others to speak the word. And we need to be prepared at any time. Thomas Jefferson's day, uh, the Enlightenment, this kind of pushing aside the idea of the supernatural and and the scholarly belief needed to, to somehow meld with our religious ideals uh, they, they try to throw away the supernatural. And so you read the 1800s uh, German, quote-unquote, Christian scholarship, and it's horrible. Uh, it's, it's just saying, we don't believe the supernatural. We'll we take these things in the Bible that are normal, but the things that are super normal would get rid of them. And so Thomas Jefferson did that. And you see his Bible in the Smithsonian. he's cut out areas in the Bible that are supernatural. Because in his time, that was what they wanted to do away with. It was not convenient in that time to do with those specific passages of Scripture. And yet, the preachers of that day had to stand up and say, this is what Jesus says. This is what God says. If you could believe that he forgave your sins, you could believe that he, that he parted the Red Sea, that he was born of the Virgin Mary. I don't think our culture is that where, at least here, is not that way as much right now. Not the, the supernatural. People like to think about the supernatural in our day. I think where we go over the top, or where the ba- Bible sounds a little unusual, is in the, the ideas of more morality. You can state things are supernatural, you can say things are spiritual, and you're okay. But as soon as you get into morals, then people are like, wait a second, don't go there. That's our culture. When you get down to what is moral and immoral, that's a tone that people don't like to hear. Well, that's just a paraphrase of a book written 3,500 years ago. You can't speak to areas of morality. But um, that's not the case. The case is these issues are so true, consistent throughout the prophets, the law, Jesus, the apostles' letters to the churches. And if our culture doesn't like to hear it, The ethical standard that God puts up, the fences that God raises, right? From the beginning, cultures have not liked the fences that God puts up, right? All the way to the garden, God put up a fence, and Satan said, let's go get that fruit. And so, even in our culture, we need to be prepared whether the time is favorable to say that or not. Luther's day was justification by faith alone, through Christ alone, with no works of our own you preach that in Catholic countries, you were killed. But he had a Bible that said it, so he had to say it. And so he said it, in season and out of season. I like what he said here. If I profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition, every portion of the truth of God except price, precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ however boldly I may be professing Christianity. Whether the battle rages, where the battle rages, the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battlefield besides is mere flight and disgrace to him if he flinches at that one point. Because some points are convenient. Some points are not. And when our culture changes... When our society changes about what it wants from Scripture, we cannot take our exacto knife. We receive it all. This is the Word of God. I receive it. So help me, God. And so we preach the Word. We're prepared whether the time is favorable or not. How do we do this? What means do we use? What means? The timing is at all times. What do we use to preach the Word? And so he says, Preach the Word. Well, he's going to. Help us to share what that looks like. And you might be thinking that. I hope you're thinking that. I, I need to be carrying this command out. Well, how do I do this? How, what means do I use? What actions do I use to accomplish this? He gives us three actions and then a manner in which to act on those actions. All right, so let's look at these. What actions should I be using as I share the word to bring life into people in my community. My seven potted plants that I'm praying will receive the gospel, what do I share with them? How do I take the word and sow it into that soil? The number one, or the first one, is to what? Reprove. Good. All right. Reprove. Reprove. The first action. To reprove is to find fault with. It's to say you're out of bounds. Where where you are right now is wrong. This is what Jesus is saying. This is what God is telling us is preaching the word. It's not it's not silence. It's not just living in front of someone. It's moving beyond that. Once you've befriended them through Jesus, lovingly shared your life with them, eventually you are telling them this is out of bounds. This is trespassing. It must be said, it must be said, in fact, in the root of this word is the word speak. And so it has to be said, and I will say this, it's a command. It's not just preach the word, and then how you're to preach the word, and this is kind of a lesser command. It is a command, it's an imperative for you. It's an imperative for me as a church to be speaking the word And this way. If you're not obeying this, you're wrong, you're wrong and so I'm doing this to us all. By God's grace, if we are not reproving, we are being reproved for not reproving. Eventually, we have to say you've crossed God's line. It's not my line. It's not the church's line, and I will say this. It should be something we can point to. It's not the pastor's idea. It's not your idea. If you can't point to it in a text very clearly, then you're not reproving it, so then it's You know, at that point, you're not the herald. The herald comes here and says, this is where you're wrong. You should be paying 3% taxes, and you're paying 2%. See right here, 3%. Whatever it is that the message says. This is the word that John the Baptist used to tell Herod that he should not commit immorality by divorcing his wife and marrying the wife of his brother. He said that is unlawful, and he reproved him. And what happened? Thrown in jail, and eventually what happened? His head got served on a platter to his wife. Right? So this this can happen when you reprove. That was not in season, and yet he still reproved. He was able to say, this is the truth. Uh, Reprove to speak and to say what is wrong. John 16, verses 7 through 8, help us with this. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, who is the helper? The Holy Spirit, good, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Oops, and that's my phrase. And what is the sword of the Spirit? The word of God. This is our word. The Spirit is the one who who reproves. So that's all we have to do. We just just say, Dear Spirit, here's your word. Use your sword and reprove. Use your sword and reprove. It's not my idea. It is the word of God. But everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be reproved. So we have to, to, to recognize that once you share this there will be a pushback or a reception the second one reprove rebuke this doesn't get any easier on number two here at least Um, it's not just to say you are out of bounds it's like this you're out of bounds and stop it stop going out of bounds reproof says you're trespassing rebuke says get over here Stop doing that. There must be a rebuke. This is wrong, and don't continue in it. This is wrong. God says not to go that way. This word comes up once here in the epistles, the rest of the time, it's the gospels. You know who does it most? Jesus. Reproves, rebukes. Jesus rebukes the wind. And says, stop storming on my disciples. Jesus rebukes demons. Jesus rebukes his disciples. Jesus rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus rebukes. Stop it. If I could just put this within its true importance. Let's just remember the original illustration. This is seeing a road is out. This person is driving there, and they're going to hurt themselves. Don't we recognize that? Couldn't we go back to the garden and say, Eve, stop it. Don't eat the fruit. You're trespassing, and you're going to hurt everyone that's following you. Adam, stop it. Right? That's not unloving. And so as we come to that person and we see them totally hurting their lives because they're not following God's way, As it's clearly stated in scripture, it's not mean. It is someone who's not proud on their high horse that gets gets a high out of berating others. That's not it. It's someone who is saying, road out. Listen, this this is important for you. I love you and I don't want you to go off the road. The road's out ahead if you keep living that way. And in fact, we are culpable the blood is on our hands in one sense if we don't say stop. Right? The little boy was not culpable for the bus driving. The city would have been culpable if the sign was not there. God has put the sign there and we just need to tell people in our neighborhood we're responsible for. And this third one. We got to keep moving here, but exhort. This is my favorite one. This is our this is our word that that Barnabas is named, the son of consolation. Because not only do we say, stop, get, get, don't, don't go that way, we get in the driver's seat with them, or the passenger's seat, and say, here's the detour. Let, let me show you how to go another way that's safe. And we lovingly help them from moving the, the self-destructive way. It's not when blah, 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 and then you just leave them there. No, it's, it's let me help you get there. Come on, we can do this. We can move the right way. And so the reproof is the action of the Holy Spirit, but this encouragement is the name of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? The Holy Spirit's name will be Comforter. He will be the one who's called alongside to help you in this. And so he not only reproves us, he comes alongside and says, Tim, this is the way, walk in it. That's the way to destruction. Don't go the the broad way, go the narrow way. And so Jesus, when he confronts the woman at the well, he does not ignore her sin. He does not ignore her morality. Uh, He lovingly shares her sin will hurt her. And she knows that. She's ready to be done with her sin. She knows that another relationship with another man will not satisfy her. And so Jesus says, I am the life. He is the water springing up that gives true heartfelt satisfaction she needed something deeper and she was ready to follow jesus and so as we share the truth of scripture we share the truth that jesus brings this lasting satisfaction he is able to fulfill that heart's desire that none of these things that are outside of god's fence will provide right they provide destruction as we do this, we need to be careful about our manner. Really be careful about your manner. Um, we we prove, rebuke, exhort, but, but look at how you do it. You do it with patience and instruction, right? Um, with great patience. This is not an immediate response at times. This may be years of, of lovingly sharing the truth with your friend or neighbor. It's not just a one-time, huh, I said it! Cut him off. Spiritual farming is a long-term investment of sowing, watering, 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 and then the Lord brings the increase. We need to acknowledge that that we are patient about this, maybe for seven years. And carries a good example of this. He preached faithfully, went to India. But let me just give you the time frame and years that will help us. Arrived in India in 1793, preaching the gospel. You read his diary. It's insane the hours that he spent preaching the gospel every day. Continue to work, continue to work. 1973, uh, 1793, 1794, preaching the gospel, no fruit. 1794, suffered an attack of malaria. 1794, his son Peter died, very dark valley. 1795, his wife started losing her sanity, going to continued to preach the gospel, continued to preach the gospel in India, still no fruit. 19, 1796, 1797, no fruit, no fruit. 1798, no fruit. And you read, again, he's patiently sharing the truth. 1799, no fruit. I wonder if that was difficult to patiently share every day. And then fruit and then fruit, and now millions, millions have believed. We need to do this patiently, patiently in our manner of teaching. It's, it's not just <laughs> taking the shotgun and, and, and poof, blasting this person. It's carefully showing this is what God says. Look, look this, these are the words. This is what the words mean. And we leave it there, but we carefully show them what the Bible means. We teach what he says. Um, faithful expositional preaching does begin with teaching, sharing what the words mean, and then exhorting to obey them. When we begin that, though. We have to share graciously, patiently, lovingly what the word says. Because it's not received immediately till we do the work of sowing, do the work of sowing, preparing the soil uh, getting ready to share it. Alright, I feel like we need to stop there and do a Q&A and just talk about it. We're gonna keep moving here though. Um because this is this is uh the reason why. Why are we to do this? Uh reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And now we give the occasion for. This is why this is so important. Why Paul wanted Timothy to do it right then. Here's the occasion. A solemn occasion for a solemn charge. For this is what's going to happen. We have two questions here. What will they not do in the future? And what will they do in the future? Okay, so let's look at this uh, timing in verses 3 and 4 and find out what they will not do. Um, They will not endure sound doctrine. Sometime in the future, Timothy, uh, they're not going to endure sound teaching. Sound, healthy, straight, orthodox. They're not going to endure that. They're not going to put up with that. That's not going to be something people want to hear. Listen, you could talk about that in your home, but don't bring it to my house. Don't speak that in our culture. Right. Be persistent, be patient, be enduring in this because eventually they will not endure this. It will be unbearable for you to talk like that. Sound teaching will be unbearable in your community. They were not going to endure the teaching. Instead, what do they want to do? What does he say? Instead, wanting to have their ears tickled, they're going to accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, turn aside to myths. Right, and so you have these stages. They, 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 they begin with the heart. They just want their ears tickled. Just a really interesting, interesting picture. Uh, those things, we don't endure that. Like, I, I don't want to endure that sound teaching. I want to I hear something that's going to be soothing to my ears. I want something that will soothe or tickle or comfort my ear. That, not, no more of those goads. No more of those pricks. And, and so there, there is a desire to have their ears tickled. Why do they fulfill their desire? How will they fulfill their desire? They're going to accumulate. They're just going to pile up teachers in accordance with their own desires. Right? So because they want to have their ears tickled, they have this desire, they're going to start accumulating or piling up teachers who will fulfill their desires. Yeah, you can do that. You're good the way you are. The big smile. Let's just be positive. I realize the road's out up ahead, but keep going. You're fine just the way you're going. It's all good until they run into the ditch. But then they've got their money. So they don't care about that. Just keep smiling. It's okay. You're perfect just the way you are. And they would say that to the devil. They just want, people just want to be said, it's okay just the way you are. Let's just have our ears tickle as long as you line my pocket. And that's how a culture gets lulled to sleep. In Timothy's day, it became a Gnostic. I'm not going to get into a lot of this, but a Gnostic faith that denied the reality of the physical, encouraged people to go into this deeper spiritual reality. I feel like our culture could go that way, but it's, that's not the popular thing right now. But that actually is what happened in Timothy's day. As he continued to preach, uh, by revelation that, that church in Ephesus had lost their first love. They were no longer loving the gospel, loving the truth that changed them, that made them throw out all the magician's books, burn them in the public square. Um, there was this, this Gnostic, deeper teaching that started tickling people's ears, and uh, you know, this physical thing about the man bloody on the cross, oh, that's, a, that's just so physical. Let's get, let's get deeper than that. Let's get spiritual, and, and, and let's, let's think of a different way to get beyond the oppression of the physical, and so Gnostic teaching did this. I like Mull. He kind of puts this well. This is a longer quote, but I'm going to read this not very long, you will find his congregations dwindling and will learn that many of the disciples are following one or another of a band of uncommissioned propagandists. They've invited to tell them something newer, more mysterious, the mystery religions, more alluring to curiosity. You find these on YouTube. More alluring to curiosity than the gospel of the crucified and the dutiful path of holiness. They'll be listening to myths, nebulous stories, reveries of depths and of silences, things pretending to solve the riddle of existence and to emancipate the spirit from its material chain. Not all tending to make sin hateful, holiness dear, and the Christ of Bethlehem and Calvary glorious. And I I just want to put that in there because that's very similar to what I read in Mary Baker Eddy. Right? Now, that was the 1800s, 1900s, but um, this, this Gnostic, let's get away from the physical and just get to the spiritual. Um, I don't know that our culture is headed that way, but, but it definitely does this. We, we don't need to talk about sin, righteousness, and judgment, that, that I'm out of bounds, and if I don't get that settled, I will end up being judged by a loving, holy Jesus with eyes as a flame of fire. And so instead, they will, they will uh, accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and that will turn their ears from the truth, and they'll turn aside to these myths. And that happened in Ephesus. And it will happen today if we are not following the truth, following the word. I think it's interesting there, he says, their ears are tickled, and then what, what's turned aside? Their ears are turned aside from the truth, turned aside to myths. And so there's these last challenges to all of us. But you, Timothy, but you, and I put your name in there. Uh, Be sober. We have these accompanying actions. Be serious. Be careful. Um, It is our word sober that's that's used in the idea of intoxication. But but the idea is this, be self-controlled. Don't let other things be controlling you. Be self-controlled through God's spirit. One of his fruit is self-control. Endure hardship. As you continue to preach the word in our culture, it is going to cause some antagonistic animosity. We need to be ready for that. Remember Chris C. Wright's illustration of wartime mentality. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Right, continue to share the good news. Uh, continue to do this work of, of preaching the word through sharing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in your community. As a preacher, uh, as a church, fulfill your ministry. Bring it to a full completion. And I will say this for our church. This is something, as we applied it last week, that we all are to be committed to. We all are to be committed to, to what we're doing right now, to this session. Of preaching, um, but, but also that, that we applied last week that we be, become prepared, ready to receive God's word in preaching, but also that we share this with one another. We encourage one another in the truth. Um, it's not going to get easier in one sense, but Christ is victorious until we as a church fulfill our church's ministry. And, and I'm going to share a little bit more of this in the members' meeting, but I just, I do see this as a, a really neat spot in the world, in world history right now. And, and just like we just need to, need to get our eyes on the, the beautiful nature of this harvest field and where God has placed us and the opportunities for our church in New York City. And ask the Lord for, uh, to, to do this. Lord, help us. Help us as a church to preach the word in our community, not to be intimidated. Not to be sidetracked by preaching these other things that are like political speeches and not the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We get so sidetracked by these lesser things. It's only Christ, Christ alone. We need to preach him as we model him and his loving character. Well, I wanted to end with a little clip here, but I'll just share a brief story. Um, let Let me appeal to you to receive the truth, first of all. Um, Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. You do not know if you will have tomorrow. Do not turn away your ear from the truth to myths. No matter how sneakily devised, follow Christ. Don't let your ear be tickled to be turned aside to anything else. Keep walking strong, enduring in sound doctrine until you are taken home to heaven. Um, I would also appeal... To, to any of our men, to consider this as a life calling. That doesn't mean that you have to get your livelihood this way, but as taking the role of preacher. Uh, that mean mean preacher and plumber at the same time, and that's okay. Um, but to take this role as a life calling, that our church would be ordained you, um, and you would give your life to filling pulpits around New York City. Uh, this week, I was I was really shocked uh by uh by uh jason um this is a friend i met uh as i just was coming to new york city we were both interns in college uh together uh he was an intern here with his dad in brooklyn and i was an intern with uh jim bickle in brooklyn and uh, we had a lot of uh time together that that summer uh throughout the years our lives have mirrored each other Uh, he stayed in brooklyn to take his dad's church uh when his dad retired and uh, has has served so faithfully uh, as a as an unselfish servant, really special special young man. Uh, he has uh, seven wife and seven children. But but just uh, I, I enjoy listening to him preach. So often I would do that uh, Sunday mornings because their service is at an early time. Listening to him preach the word faithfully um, every Friday night, he would give of himself. And his family sacrificially as they had teens in from their community. And he was a dad to these teens. Uh, many of the teens had no dad. Um, a really sweet, unselfish uh, young man. And he fulfilled his ministry Tuesday. 43. Died of a heart attack. Um, my heart broke to hear that. But he was faithful. Faithful. Faithful till then. And I praise the Lord for his preaching. I wanted to share a clip. They took down the clip. I'm guessing it'll be at his funeral on Wednesday, but sharing the gospel in that clip he just shared, we don't know who's going to die this year. He was just sharing with teens his heart and said, I we don't know how many of you are gonna die this year. Are you ready? Are you ready? And I would appeal on behalf of Jason to all of us. Um to pray for more people, to fulfill his role in preaching in pulpits faithfully. Uh, This family has lived very sacrificially in in the church building uh, with with seven kiddos uh, in order to be able to make things work, uh, in order to be a light in that neighborhood in Bay Ridge. Uh, Lord, give us grace to continue to preach, continue to preach, because we don't know when it will be our last message. You don't know when it will be your last chance to share the word with that friend, that family member. And I will say this very carefully, heads bowed and eyes closed. We don't know when it will be our last moment. We need to be ready. Um, uh, that that picture of Jesus that Brother Mookie read uh, is the last picture that the Bible gives of Jesus. Right, we read about him in the manger, but but Jesus has eyes of a flame of fire that pierce to our soul he sees right through any kind of superficial religiosity and he will judge us based on the gospel whether we have placed our faith in him for life and for eternity i would just encourage all of us to uh, recognize that if we're trying to earn our way to god there is no righteous standing before him. We need to turn from our sin and trust in him. But also I would appeal to, to you to consider this two messages on uh, the, the gospel uh, privilege to preach the word. And just ask if perhaps the Lord would encourage you um, to take this as a life calling. Um God wants me to give my time and my efforts to sharing this with a church. And I don't know how that's going to look, but Lord, I I open up my heart to that. And and however you would do that, I just I submit to that. Would you be willing to do that? And may our church pray that way. Would you pray that way? We just need to pray that the Lord will raise up more faithful preachers like Jason Walker um, who will serve uh, in, in small churches with no fanfare, right? no uh, limelight, but faithfully preaching the word every Sunday. Would you pray for that in closing? Let's do that. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you would like to pray with me, I'll be standing in the back lobby. Be happy to pray with you, but let's all respond to God's message here before we close in prayer.